Hey everybody, welcome back to Cooking in Real Time. My name is Zora O'Neill and here with the usual podcast routine, back to normal after last week's artichoke short item. This time I am going to cook a whole dinner, but it'll be a fast dinner, I swear. Not like the sort of epic dawdling ones that I did in the first two quarantine things. I'm going to make elevropita which I'll explain what that is, and a, and a quick green salad. Both of these things are specifically Greek. Alevropita, while I'm talking, I'm starting to tidy up, by the way. Just clearing my decks here. I just turned on the oven to preheat because an alevropita is a baked thing. And so that's going in the background. I'm clearing off my cutting boards. Um, Alevropita is literally means flower pie in Greek. Um, you probably know spanakopita, tiropita, spinach pie, cheese pie. Uh, pita means pie. Uh, but an alevropita is not um, the kind with phyllo dough. Most people think of Greek pita as being the phyllo, layers of phyllo dough with some kind of filling. An alevropita is it's kind of, everybody's really into Dutch baby pancakes right now. It's a little bit like a Dutch baby. It doesn't puff up, um, but it's that same thing where it's like a quick pancake batter and you bake it in the oven. And it's nice because it's a very quick batter to put together. And it's it takes about, I think, 20 minutes to bake, 15 minutes to bake. I'm looking at my notes here. You can add all kinds of stuff with it, but it's really good just straight. It's just the batter plus a little feta cheese. And then to go with it, I'm going to um, make a green salad, a Greek style green salad. So basically there are like three fundamental seasonal salads of Greece. In summer, you get your normal, what everybody thinks of as a Greek salad, which is tomatoes and cucumbers and onions and olives and feta. In the winter, you get your cabbage salad, which sometimes has carrots mixed in. In spring and early summer, the standard salad to eat is maruli salata, which translates as lettuce salad. And if that sounds redundant, I don't blame you. I was like, no, maruli salata. Like, didn't order it for a long time in Greece because it sounded kind of boring. And it is fundamentally not a complex salad, it is lettuce, but because it's lettuce at the right season, and then it's usually lettuce and dill or whatever fresh herbs you have and fresh green onions. So it's a very fresh springy in the bowl. It's all different colors of green. It's really nice. And I'm just going to put a really simple olive oil and lemon juice dressing on that. And um, then you have your very quick very quick dinner, very quick lunch. Sometimes we make alevropita for breakfast. Alevropita, in fact, if you go up into northern Iporos, the mountainous area that's up on the border with Albania, this is where it's like the heartland of alevropita. And if you go stay at any guest house there, your breakfast will almost certainly have, have little squares of alevropita because it's a quick thing whoever's running the place can whip up very first thing in the morning. So it's nice, especially if you prefer a savory breakfast, but want to do something a little bit, a little bit fun. 
one of the challenges of one of the big variables is what kind of pan you're cooking it in. Uh, and this is going to require some math. We got our recipe from, I'm reading the sounding the Greek out in my head here, from the note where we wrote it, Eleftheria Dimo of the guest house. No, I can't read that. In Kukuli, village of Kukuli. Anyway, Eleftheria showed us very quickly how to make this and she gave us a recipe that involves two eggs and that makes in my opinion quite a lot so we almost always um, do a one egg version and that's about as small as you can make it and i prefer it a bit thin so i take the one egg proportions batter and i divide it into two nine inch skillets actually tonight i'm going to experiment and I'm going to try divvying it up between a 9-inch skillet and an 8-inch skillet. So where I said the math comes in is you can cook this in whatever you have, but you want to calculate the area that you're cooking it in. So I think I did some. What did I do? my notes? Um, the last time I made this, I did some calculations. So two... Two nine-inch skillets, or 23-centimeter skillets, works up to 415 square centimeters of area. I would say you do not want to cook this particular proportions in anything larger than this 415 centimeter squared. This is like as thin as it can get and still be good, in my opinion. You also don't want to squoosh it all into a too small pan because then it'll be like thick and doughy and not not great. You're basically making a kind of chewy pancake that's going to be really crispy on the bottom and then you want the top to cook through. We've done it, we have so many um, so many round pans, the kind that Greek people cook pitas in, they're called topsil in Greek and we have them in a million sizes, and strangely, none of them are quite the right size for this, it's weird. So I would encourage you to get out whatever you are considering cooking this in, and bust out your area of a circle formula, pi r squared. If you've got any geometry students at home, you can put them to work on this project. It's a nice little challenge. Um, as I said, 415 square centimeters is kind of the biggest area you want for uh, a one egg recipe. Let's see. So keep that in mind. I was looking at my notes. The reason I'm pausing is I'm looking at my notes to see if I figured out what the, what the other parameters were. No, that's about the only constructive thing I've got for you there. So yeah, that's the, you want to figure out the area. Sorry, my mind is like grinding pi r squared formulas while I'm trying to talk. I can't, can't do both. I'll leave the math aside. Anyway, it'll take some experimentation. There is a range. Don't worry about nailing it exactly. Uh, if you end up with a thicker pita, that's great. Just keep in mind the weird thing about geometry though is like you can increase the the diameter of a pan just by like an inch 
and it really increases the area. Two inches, it's huge. I'm, obviously, there's a standard ratio there that I could summarize. If I remembered more of my geometry, but I don't. Uh, if you have a geometry student in your house, they will be able to tell you this immediately, maybe even eyeball it for you. But So I don't want the math to be a hurdle for you to doing this. Two nine-inch skillets, like standard size cast iron skillets, is going to be great if you have that. Uh, cast iron is ideal because you want to preheat things in the oven if you can, because we're going to do it like a good cornbread recipe where you put the fat in the pan and put them all in the oven so the pan and the fat is nice and hot when you pour the batter in. I guess while I'm talking, I should start putting this together. Otherwise, it's not going to be a short, quick dinner situation. Um, the ingredients are only milk and egg, one egg and flour. Um, you could probably sub lots of things. Um, I'm using wheat flour. I bet this would be good with chickpea flour. It would end up tasting like just that Italian thing called sukka. I'm getting a bowl. Where's my bowl? Alright, so we want to do our I said one egg. Obviously you can double this if, you, if you've got lots of pans and lots of people to feed. But we're just doing one egg and then it's one cup of water, one cup of milk, and then it's gonna be like two cups of flour. So very easy, one egg, two cups of liquid, two cups of flour. Oh, what did I say? I said two cups. I'm not having the recipe. Okay, wait. One egg, one cup of liquid, one cup of flour. I was thinking that was kind of a crazy amount. And the liquid is half milk, half water. So half a cup of milk. And then I'll just top the measuring cup up to one cup. Um, I think you could sub in you know, like if you had a little yogurt, if you didn't have straight milk, you had a little yogurt, you could do like quarter or a third a cup of yogurt and then water and just stir it up real well. Of course, you could, this is a good thing to use, a good thing for you to use milk that might be just a little past its prime. If you use, if you're nursing a sourdough starter like everybody seems to be, you could, this would probably be a great use of sourdough starter. I'm eyeing ours right now. Um, I don't want to experiment with it tonight because we'll be here forever. But since it's a nice, easy 50-50 ratio, um, this Ardo starter translates very easily. I'm getting a bit feta. Um, if you don't have feta, I mean, that's the thing that makes it properly Greek, but that's okay if you don't have it. Um, you can sub in all kinds of other cheese. We've gotten, I mean, if you go to Zagori, which is the region the, up in northern Iporos, if you go up there to these beautiful, I recommend it so highly, it's such a beautiful place. 
if you go up there, you will only ever see this with feta. They don't mess around and make anything else. But we have made it basically like a crustless pizza kind of thing. Because like I said, it gets crispy on the bottom and then you can sort of dab little toppings all over, like whatever you happen to have. If you've got like little pieces of chorizo or, you know, a little sprinkle of arugula. I mean, it doesn't even have to be Greek stuff. You can be super creative. Okay, I'm whipping up my milk or my egg here. Just with a fork. Again, that's a cup of liquid, half milk, half water, and then I, maybe I should use a whisk, maybe a fork, not the best thing. Um, then I'm just going to whisk. So the milk and the egg are together, and now I'm just whisking in the flour. It's one of those things that you kind of do it to... Once you do it a few times, you can kind of eyeball the consistency and, you know, things always vary a bit, depending on how big your egg is, whatever, how humid it is. Anyway, it's pretty forgiving. So I'm just dumping my flour in and whisking, and you going to whisk till all the lumps are out. And a little pinch of salt. It doesn't have to be super salty because the feta is salty, but then if you're not using feta, you probably want to add a little more, a little more salt to the batter. Uh, obviously, you could go crazy here and add all kinds of spices or chili or anything really once you get the hang of this base. So you end up with something that's like, oh, pancake battery, basically. And um, like I'm dragging my whisk through it and it's very briefly leaving a trace of the whisk in the batter. Um, so we just let that sit. I think it'll be, be good for it. Um, and I will get out the next thing I need. So we happen to have sheep butter which I highly recommend, but obviously it is not something, or is it goat butter? I don't even know. Um, it is a strain, it is not, it is not cow butter, and we get it at our Greek place, and it lasts in the fridge forever, and we use it pretty much just for this, um, or anything that you wanna add, like a little funky flavor to. And I'm putting, Maybe like a tablespoon and a half, or what the heck, a couple tablespoons, yeah, a tablespoon and a half in each of these skillets that I'm going to put the albergue in. And like I said, we're going to preheat those in the oven. And right back in the fridge, we have, oh, seriously, I think we've had this, does this have a date on it? No, thank goodness, that would be embarrassing. Um, we've had that for a very long time. It doesn't go bad. Uh, I'm mentioning it 
you in no way need sheep butter or goat butter or whatever it is. Um, but I'm mentioning it in case you've like seen it at your grocery store and you're like, oh, what could I do with that? Or if it's the only kind of butter left at your grocery store at the moment or something like that, here is something delicious to do with it. It does not give it an overpowering, funky taste. Um, it just gives you, to my mind, it just makes me think of grease. Um, it makes me think of all those little animals trundling up and down the green, green slopes of all the mountains um, and making everything taste so good. Okay, so we've got our batter is good. I have opened up my container of feta cheese and I guess to be fully prepared. Actually, no, I'm going to put the skillets in. Um, oh, I see. Oh, the oven was on, but not at the right temperature. It's only 250. That's weird. All right. Putting my skillets in, like I said, we want them to preheat, and we want that butter to heat in them. Of course, you can use regular butter. Uh, you might want to use a little... Of course, you could also use olive oil if you want. Um, if you do regular butter, you can put mix in a little olive oil. Just um, it kind of makes sure your regular butter won't burn. Not really necessary either way. Um, what was I doing? Oh, I was putting my feta. Let's see. Oh, interesting. Um, I'm just reading reading this, the notes we took when we learned the recipe in, when we were in Kukuli, and it says, for the full recipe, so somebody can do this math, maybe I'll do the math and I'll put it on, um, put it on the website. This, with the two egg recipe, goes in a 40 centimeter topsy, um, in a 40 centimeter pan, round pan. So, yeah, that's, um, what is that, 20 centimeters? So, anyway, um, I'll do the math separately. I will not do it live. Okay, I'm also crumbling up the feta. And I don't know what I've got here. Not a huge amount. I would say, oh, I know what I can do. I can weigh it. Just eyeballing it. You want like little dabs of feta cheese all over the top of it. Um, our recipe from Kukuli just says add feta. Um, and depending on who's making it, it'll be more or less feta. So, 80 grams of feta, three, about three ounces of feta. I was going to say a quarter pound. Um, so, more or less. Um, yeah, three ounces of feta. I happen to have picked out. Seems like the right amount. Um, as I said, you can think of all kinds of other toppings. Um, it's only in the oven for 15 minutes, so take that into consideration for your toppings and like, how long you want them exposed to heat. Um, Alright, we got that ready. Let's peek at our skillets and see whether they're is still not up to temp and my butter has not melted yet so I'm gonna go ahead and get up. 
pocket out for lettuce. Um, it happens to be, I went shopping last week and the lettuce is so beautiful. And I think it's just because it's like the ideal kind of year for it. It's still cool, but it's growing really vigorously. Um, so it's nice to see lettuce, which is just treated as this like all-purpose background thing. It's nice to see lettuce in its prime. So I'm going to go ahead and just chopping off the bottom of the lettuce. I'm going to go ahead and wash all our lettuce just so it's all washed. But I'm only going to use some of it. tilting and spreading the butter all over the bottom of the pan and there's like a good slick all over the bottom of the pan and now I'm just pouring the batter in try to get it if you're using two things try to get it evenly distributed but again maybe it won't end up that way but that's okay have one thick one and one thin one, who knows? I might discover the ideal thickness. Alright, that's good. And then we just want to just sort of sprinkle the little crumbled feta bits around. Whoops, that feta bit is too big. Think about, you know, you eat this in sort of in squares, so you think about what you want in a bite. You don't want like a giant chunk of feta. I mean, I personally don't. I love feta, but you want a balanced bite. All right. That looks great. Okay, so we're back in the oven. There's so much butter in here that it's actually up over the top a little bit on the batter, which is exciting because that'll create some different textures. All right, so it's in, it's in. Let's set the timer for 15 minutes. Now, obviously 15 minutes, uh, I think is what works for, um, 
for these size pans, you have to do a little guess, you know, adjustment for, for how thick your thing is. Anyway, just set your timer for the lower end and we'll start checking. Okay, so salad. Like, like I said, lettuce salad. Uh, doesn't seem like a wild and crazy idea. And yet, and yet, really surprisingly nice. All that sloshing is me washing my lettuce. And then it's just all, I have to do this two batches. I rinsed, I washed all the leaves, but it doesn't all fit in our salad spinner, so half of it is sitting aside, and I'll deal with it later. Um, and half of it we will be eating tonight if I find the lid to the salad spinner. Oh, there it is. When I was a kid, I know I've said this before, we had salad every freaking meal and I really hated it, but it was also my job to, um, to wash and dry the lettuce leaves, and maybe this is why I hated salad so much when I was a kid. Um, it was kind of tedious. Washing and then panning and dry. It was mind-blowing when I found out that such a thing as a salad spinner existed. Um, I had no idea. I don't know when they were invented. They obviously were not something that was widely available in New Mexico. We had a um, we had a little like collapsible like wire basket leaf for collecting eggs, even though we have no eggs or no chickens. Um, one of those that you could put all the lettuce <laughs> very manual salad spinner, put all the lettuce leaves in there, and then just like wing, like swing it around with your arm really fast. Uh, and get your centrifugal force going that way. That was fun, but that you could only do in warm weather when you had to go out to the patio. Uh, you couldn't really do it inside. Most of the time, I was just patting it with kitchen towel, loving each little tender lettuce leaf, and putting the batter, the olive oil, the batter pan in the sink just to with a bowl just to rinse so that, so that batter isn't drying up and hardening. And then I'm wiping down my board, my cutting board, because cutting is the strange secret, it's not really a secret, to making a good lettuce salad, a good modeling salata. Um, so yeah, the thing about a Greek bonoli salata I have found um, in my in my experience, maybe there are exceptions to this, but in my experience, it is always, always with the lettuce cut into thin little ribbons, which is a way I never ever think 
of cutting lettuce until I saw it done in grease. So I've just stacked up a big stack of lettuce leaves and then I'm just gonna cut crossways into little ribbons. And I'm telling you, it makes the lettuce just wonderful. They're like, I don't know, quarter, half inch wide ribbons. But they look so nice and fluffy in the bowl. They're great. Um, See, I'm picking things out of the fridge here and I'm like, oh, we don't need you, cucumber, because we have a perfectly satisfying salad without you. Uh, we, do, we could use that dill. things you shouldn't do inside. I'm just shaking the dill dry. Um, if I were a little more dedicated, I'd do that in the salad center too, but I don't want to take apart this handy little bunch. It's all held together with elastic. So, um, a good amount of dill, depending on what you have access to. Um, dill, I always think of as being a very springy Thing. So maybe you can get it, get it now easily in quantity. Um, God, in Greece, in Greece they sell dill in bunches that are bigger than your head. Like you go into any, even like the corner supermarket has these giant, giant bunches of dill and parsley. It's comical, and I feel so sad for anyone who lives alone in Greece because what do you do with all those? herbs. I mean, I've had to spend time in Greece on my own, and I'm like, what am I going to do with this? Dill smoothies? I don't know. Um, yeah, it's not really a country that has has catered to the singleton in any way. Uh, so we get our vegetables from a Greek produce store here in Astoria, which is literally the reason I moved to this neighborhood. And they sell bunches of dill that, that are maybe like half the size of what you would get in Greece. And they're still humongous. They're not, you know, they're just big bunches. They're not like in little plastic cases or anything like that. Um, so fully realizing that most people in the United States are going to end up with like one of those little plastic cases full of dill. If that's the case, you want to use a whole bunch you could use dry dill. I have nothing against dry dill. Um, I'm pausing to look at the time and tell us what we doing. We've got seven minutes. Um, you could use dry dill. You kind of want to let it like sit a little bit and um, 
Yeah, maybe like, what did I do? Like, let it sit in the lemon juice, maybe? So it can hydrate a little bit. Uh, so you don't, you put it like peels better in um, But I think as dried herbs go, dill actually holds up pretty well. Dill and dried mint are two, uh, two herbs that, that dry up nicely. And rosemary actually holds up pretty well. Um, so the other thing, what I was washing was some, um, some spring onions. Actually these, normally I use green onions. Um, right now I'm using, um, garlic chives, which I have, we have on the roof, just sort of growing up there. And there's like 8 million more than know what to do with so this seems like a good good application of those garlic chives so and you can do the white parts and the green parts under scallions the idea is just to get all all the nice green shades of green you can in salad very tall, these garlic chives. That's why it's taking me so long to chop them. I'm still chopping the green parts. It's going, 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 going. So, hmm. no chive is wasted. Every chive is sacred. If one is wasted, anyway, you know, that song. All right. Great, great, great. So like I said, um, all you put on this is olive oil and lemon. You could use vinegar. Lemon just gives it a little bit of a sort of brighter, fresher, just picked kind of taste. Um, so I walk back and forth in this kitchen having forgotten what I meant to do. Get the olive oil. Um, be generous. Imagine you're in Greece. I'm just pouring liquid gold on there. One more, one more level of yellowy green on the salad. Our salad tomatoes. Uh, we want some salt in there, of course. Don't forget to salt your salad. If you're gonna, if you're making your salad ahead, don't salt your salad right away. If it's, if it has to sit at all, um, don't salt your salad until you're at the table. Why can't I find any of our salt? We live by salt here. Um, hmm, hmm. This is what I get from not cleaning up. Aha! See there, if I had cleaned up my flour, before I found the salt that was hiding behind behind the flour canister. Alright, good pinch of salt. Toss all that olive oil around. You want to coat everything with olive oil? Or this is what I learned. You know, maybe this is just like weird received wisdom from the 80s that has since been overturned. But I learned that you coat your greens with olive oil and then put on the acid 
you don't want your acid like getting in and dissolving, like eating into your greens. I think probably strategically you could use that in your favor, but here you've got tender lettuce that you don't want wilting right away. So I think that olive oil coating is wise. I already had, you can hear me slice up the lemon because we happen to have half a lemon just sitting here begging to be used. So that's what I'm doing. I'm squeezing about half a lemon over. Um, no one ever ate one of my salads and thought it was subtle, obviously. And, and to what all right, so, oh, I can put some pepper on there. I have no idea if that's a normal big thing, but is it? can't remember offhand, but why not? Okay, toss our salad one more time. It's only got a couple minutes to wait, so it's fine to have the salt and the lemon on it right now, because um, we are one minute and 40 seconds away. I'm just gonna peek actually right now and see what our guys are looking like. Ooh, be ready. Ooh, I can smell the sheep butter. Yep, giving that nice, funky. I don't know, these are gonna need more time. Yeah, I'm gonna have to talk to you for a little while. Um, huh, okay, that's interesting. Oh, maybe I'll turn on the convection on them. That would be good for them. If you have convection, it adds some annoying background noise for you. Um, if you have convection, I am not a huge fan of it. We got a new stove like four years ago and a new oven and it happens to have it. Half the time I use it, it just, like, I haven't gotten a good sense of how much convection is good. Um, half the time I've used it, I've ended up just singeing the things. I'm trying to bake. Um, I think in this case it's a good, I think it'll help because our stuff was done looking, like it's it's kind of nice and dry looking on top, uh, but nothing had browned up yet. So I think it's um, it's going to help, help brown things in a nice way. So the goal of the Alavorpita like an ideal one is crispy on the bottom and kind of chewy tender on top and like i said it's pretty thin all right that was the 15 minute mark i'm gonna figure that and just do a two minute timer so i don't space out um there's there is the last elevropita i ate was in the village of Aristi, also up in Zagori. And there's the little like town general store there is run by a woman named Alexandra. Um, but everyone calls her Mama Alexa. And um, there is, she's like locally famous for her alavropita and pinned up in the store is like a very faded old magazine article about her and she's holding her alavropita like up vertically. It's so crispy that you can just 
hold the whole thing up, um, take it out of the pan, and, um, and display it. So that's just to illustrate like how crispy you want it to be. But it's its own kind of solid thing. Um, we'll see how these guys turn out. I'm not sure if I'm up to um, Mama. I do not even pretend to be up to Mama Aleka status when it comes to comes to alavorpita. Um, and incidentally, that that alavorpita I had from her place. So it was this weird, kind of awkward place to walk into. I was. What was weird about it is I was in Aristi alone, and like, it's very hard to be in Greece by yourself, not just because the bill is so large, but like nobody ever goes anywhere by themselves. So if you walk in somewhere alone, everyone's like, hmm, that's weird. And it makes, like, makes everybody feel awkward. And then if you walk into a room full of older Greek people by yourself and you don't speak Greek, like me, um, it's like extra awkward. So I was able to order a pita from Mama Aleka. You would think a two-syllable thing like walking in and saying pita would be clear, but it took a while to make it clear that that was what I wanted, the thing that she's famous for. Um, my capacity for mispronouncing things is huge, especially in Greece somehow. Um, so I sat there for a while um, and while it baked and everything. And fortunately, somebody else in the somebody else in the general store, Capanil, um, spoke great English and had lived in the U.S. for a long time. So I talked to him. That passed the time, and when it was done. This guy was like, hey, by the way, when you take that home, because it was enormous, she had made me like a two-egg version, and it was just for me. Um, he was like, hey, when you take that home, you know, you don't need to put it in the fridge. You, uh, you just leave it out, and it'll last for like three days. Um, which was great advice, because I was traveling, and I didn't have a... Um, traveling and I didn't have a fridge to put it in so it was nice to know that it can survive out in the wild um, so yeah our thing beeped I'm looking at these guys now still not you want them to be a little um huh. first every time I open the oven it makes things things colder in there. You want them to be crispy and brown and you want it to have like a few brown spots on top too just for just for interest. So we're letting it do that. Like like I said, you've heard the convection is on. I'm even gonna turn the heat up. This is how I end up burning things. Um, I'm not a natural baker at all. But the nice thing about waiting on this is time to clean things up. So, um, so that's what I'm doing now. Uh, I wrote about that trip to Arisi in um, 
my friend Alex Robertson Textor has a wonderful little journal of travel writing called Fields and Stations. If you're interested in not, not glossy magazine kind of travel writing, but also not annoying navel-gazing travel writing, um, Fields and Stations, in my mind, and I'm not saying this just because I know Alex, um, just really nails it. Like every issue, there's all kinds of really practical stuff uh, that I want to, you know, that I make note of. Like, oh, that sounds like a cool store in Mexico City. But also some really kind of offbeat ways of traveling and articles about trips based on kind of strange ways of traveling um, or, you know, interesting constraints for a trip, putting things like that. Um, the last issue had, had something about, um, you know, a woman, if you live in the UK, they're always advertising like freakishly cheap trips to Cyprus. So this woman was like, fine, I'll take one. Like, it's going to cost me, you know, 150 pounds. Okay, I'll take one. And it was great. I've like, I've always seen those strange bargain basement trips advertised and you wonder just what you're getting into. So it was really interesting um, and it was great to read. And my article about traveling in Zagori, including my, um, my especially delicious Alevropita in Aristi, um, is in that same in that same issue, the most recent one. Fields and stations. See, this is what happens when the timing is off is you're like captive audience to my self-promotion. Um, well, there's always more to tidy up. Let's see. Um, what else do you need to know about Ellen Yeah, already my lettuce is looking like just a little like, oh, that was really hit it with the with the lemon juice. So, um, if I wasn't recording this, I would just start eating the lettuce, eating the salad right now because I hate to see it getting getting wilty. Um, but you know, I'm really talking with my mouth. Um, Okay, this is pretty great. The butter is sort of bubbling. Um, the edges, how you know it's done, in addition to the color, is the edges have pulled away. This is where it kind of makes me think of a, of a Dutch baby. Like, it doesn't puff up very much. There's very little puffing. Um, but the edges get all sort of, there's this nice little ridge of brown crust on the edges. And that's, that's what we're looking at. Oh, you know what? That's funny. The reason I just realized why it was took longer than the last time I cooked it. So the last time I did it, they're out now. Can you hear them? Sizzling. Oh, yes. Oh, hello, my pretties. Okay, turning off the oven, turning off convection, oven light all off. They sound great. Um, the reason it took longer this time, of course. So last time it took me a straight 15 minutes. 
bam. But the last time I did it, I used two nine inch skillets and I think I kind of glossed over this at the beginning. This time I was experimenting a tiny bit and I did a nine inch skillet and an eight inch skillet. So the people with geometry like right at the surface of their brains um, could tell me how much that affects the relative thickness of each of these little alivropitas. So um, two nine inch skillets worth with a one egg recipe took 15 minutes to cook at 350. Um, these were just a tiny bit thicker and took another, you know, like five minutes, seven minutes probably. I easily 20 minutes. Um, so there's a pretty big range, obviously. And I don't know, maybe there was something else slightly different about them from the last time I baked them. Um, all you can do is, you know, set, like I said, set the timer for the lower limit and then just keep checking in. Um, and you want them, like I said, the edges to be nice and brown and crisp and sort of pulling away from the sides of the pan. And you want that nice little sizzling sound. And your little flecks of feta have turned beautiful and golden. Anyway, it is a beauty, beautiful thing to behold. I am so grateful to the people of Zagori, which if we ever get out of this mess, uh, hopefully we'll all get to go travel there again. Um, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous spot and one of my favorite places in the world. So it's a real pleasure to make this particular meal and think of that place. And I hope you enjoy it. Um, as usual, all the recipes and stuff are going to be on the website, cookinginrealtime.com. And um, if you like this, tell your friends, tell people who you think might like it. Um, like I said, one of these weeks I will make a quiche, which is really just about how to make pie crust. Um, <clears throat> so that's coming up. Um, what else? I made schnitzel, and maybe there will be a schnitzel episode. If you've got ideas or requests, let me know. I'm happy to do it. And if you have general questions, let me know. Find me on Twitter, at Zora. All right, thanks for listening. Enjoy your meal. Have a great night.